friends were discussing biblical things one day, and uh, the one friend said to the other, you don't know that much Bible. You don't know that much Bible. In fact, I'll give you $10 if you can recite the Lord's Prayer. He said, I'll take that bet. And then he began, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And the other friend, he laughed and laughed. Then he reached in his pocket and gave him $10 and said, I didn't think you knew it. (laughs) Do you know the Lord's Prayer? Do you know the Lord's Prayer? Now, I didn't ask you, have you memorized it? Can you recite it from memory? I said, do you know the Lord's Prayer? Do you really understand the Lord's Prayer? Uh, Do you know how rich it is, how wonderful it is? Uh, How meaningful these words, this model prayer, this pattern the Lord has given us. Uh, Pastor Ray Pritchard said that everything you'd ever want to say in prayer is in it. Everything is in here somewhere. All is in this prayer. God's in the prayer. We're in the prayer. The past is in the prayer. The present's in the prayer. The future. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's all in this prayer. Everything is here in the Lord's Prayer. Al Mohler said that the Lord's Prayer takes less than 20 seconds to read aloud but a lifetime to learn. This prayer is so wonderful, so marvelous, so glorious, that one person that I read in preparation said this, there aren't many things that unite Christians of all persuasions, but the Lord's Prayer is one of them. Think about that. There are not many things that unites all Christians of all persuasions, but the Lord's Prayer is one of those things. And that's one of the reasons we love to use the Lord's Prayer and pray the Lord's Prayer Uh, as we gather together. And so today we're going to begin a brand new series. It's going to be six weeks looking at this perfect prayer. This will take us right up to our Thanksgiving time. And we're going to look at this uh, prayer in depth. And today I want to kind of set the stage and kind of arrange some things in your mind and uh, look at some of the warnings that the Lord gives us concerning the Lord's Prayer uh, right before He gets to it and prayer in general. And so to get started, I want to give you basically, first of all, Uh, Some of the things that I thought about, uh, some of the goals that I have for this sermon series. Uh, You might wonder, well, how do you come up with these series? How do you do this? Well, you have to pray and seek the Lord, look at the congregation, think about needs, think about things uh, that are going on. And so let me give you some of the goals that I have in this particular series together. First of all, of course, to bring glory and honor to God. The Bible says whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, preach a series, whatever it is you do, do all to the glory of God. And I don't think there's much that could bring more glory to the Lord than to actually talk about and study the words the Lord gave us in the first place. And so one of my goals is to bring glory to God. That's the primary goal. But secondly, to get us to pray more. To get us to pray more. As we understand the depth and uh, how wonderful this prayer is, I think it will help us to pray more. Third, and this is kind of maybe where the idea for the series came about, to help people that do not already know the Lord's Prayer, that is, have memorized the Lord's Prayer, to memorize it. And that's one of the reasons I gave you this handout. And uh, it's not fancy. We didn't worry about the design as much as we worried about the clarity. And I realized as we say the Lord's Prayer, as we pray the Lord's Prayer together, and I thought about the boys and girls. I thought about maybe some of our younger people. And I thought, well, a lot of them may not know the Lord's Prayer. And so we pray it together. And a lot of us know it and we pray it. But they're there and they're thinking, I don't know this prayer. And we want them to know it. We want them to understand it. 
And so we're going to actually pray the Lord's Prayer together out loud every time we have a sermon in this series. So for six weeks, we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer together. It's one of the reasons I gave you this also, so you can take this handout and put it wherever you look a lot. Some of you might need to take a picture because you look at your phone and put it on your phone, all right? Some of you might want to put it on your mirror in your bathroom. You might want to put it in your car. Wherever it is, you, you have a lot. You can post that. Whether you've already learned it or not, but you have the words in front of you, if you need to memorize it, you can work on it. If you already know it, you can just remind yourself, refresh yourself, meditate on it. But to help people to understand the Lord's Prayer. And then, one of my goals is to help people to understand what it teaches. It's not just a series of words. It's not just something the Lord gave us to fill space. There's such depth and wonderful truth in the Lord's Prayer to understand that. And then finally, one of my goals in this series is this. And I think it's a great need when it comes to our prayer lives. And that is to encourage people in their prayer lives. To encourage you in your prayer life. That's one of my goals. Not to discourage you, but to encourage you. All right? So that's some of the goals for this series. Next, let me do this. Let me give you a general overview and some observations about the Lord's Prayer before we even read it or pray it today. You'll notice as we look at the Lord's Prayer, it's basically three sections. The first section, it starts out being concerned with God. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the first section is about God. And it's God-centered and it's god work. Then the next section comes in and it deals with our needs. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us, help us, so forth. And so the second section, it looks at our needs. And then you come to the third section, the final verse, it points us back to God again. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So basically, you have these three sections. It's God word, then our needs, and then God word again. And by the way, can I just tell you, the second section is also God word in the sense we're praying for him and for his help. But just to kind of help you think through how it's structured. Furthermore, let me share this with you. You'll notice on the handout that I gave you, uh, you may know that a little bit different, the memorized portion. Sometimes people, that they quote the Lord's Prayer, they might say which instead of who. They might say debts instead of trespasses. And the real difference is just basically what tradition you were brought up in and which version you were taught that you memorized. And so the one that I've chosen here is the one that we pray here most of the time, and I've led the congregation, and it seems like the majority of folks know this particular version. It's not that they mean different things, it's just the wording is slightly different. And so the one we're going to memorize here uh, is the one that I've given to you. And then let me tell you this. We haven't even got to the prayer. It's a pattern prayer. It's a model prayer. What I mean by that is like a template. Now, we can and we should pray the Lord's Prayer as the Lord gave it to us. But you've got to remember, it's actually a template. It's a model. It's a pattern of prayer. Because he says in there, after this manner, therefore, pray ye, or in this way. And so we could take the Lord's Prayer and we can use it as a template, as a model, and we begin to launch out in the different areas of prayer. Because what can happen is if you only pray it as it is written or as you've memorized it, you can get into the point where it doesn't make much difference in your life because it doesn't really mean much to you because you're just going through vain repetition. But we'll talk about that in a moment. All right. All that's just by way of introduction. Now I want us to pray the Lord's Prayer. Now I'm going to put it on the screen. You want to read it off the screen. You want to say it from memory. You want to read it off your sheet. We're going to pray this together. Now remember, we're praying it, not just saying. You know, there's a difference. We're praying this. We're lifting our hearts to the Lord. 
And so I want us to pray it together to get started. Then we're going to actually go to the scripture. We'll read it and then we'll kind of give you some of the warnings that the Lord Jesus gives right before he gives the prayer itself. Are you all ready to pray? This is one time you can keep your eyes open. All right, you can look, you can read. So boys and girls, if you've got your copy, you can read along with us. You can read it off the screen. But let's pray together out loud. Everybody, let's pray the Lord's Prayer together. You ready? Let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen and amen. Now, I want you to find, if you would, in your um, Bible today, I would like you to find these passages, Matthew chapter 6 and Luke chapter 11. Now, for our series, we're going to be looking primarily at Matthew chapter 6. If you want to put a marker there, we'll be there for all six weeks. But today, we're also going to add to that Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. And it appears that the Lord Jesus gave the prayer, first of all, in the book of Matthew. And then in the book of Luke, you'll find that somebody asked him about learning how to pray. And he repeats a part of the Lord's prayer in the book of Luke. And I want us to read uh, both of those today. But we're actually backing up. Because the Lord's Prayer proper in Matthew begins in uh, verse number 9. We're going to back up to verse number 5 today and read Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 13, and then Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 5. These are the words of the Lord Jesus. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you shut your door, pray to your Father who's in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, by the way, have you noticed that phrase? Three times. When you pray, when you pray, when you pray. Not if you pray. But when you pray, they're assuming, he's assuming that we're going to be praying. Verse 7, And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. Verse 9 of Matthew 6, In this manner, therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now put your finger there in Matthew because we're coming right back to it. But flip over real quick to Luke chapter 11. And I want to read just the first four verses of Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, we'll begin reading at verse 1. Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place. And imagine in your mind's eye seeing the Lord Jesus hearing him pray. As he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, when he was done praying, that one of his disciples said to him, 
Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. Now back to Matthew chapter 6. We're just going to focus on verses 5 through 8 today. And let me encourage you as you're finding your spot in Matthew chapter 6 again. The moms and dads, work with their, your children in learning this if they don't know it. And go over it. You can pray it at night time. Uh, you can help them to understand. By the way, Chandra, thank you for playing. What an appropriate song today. Uh, the Lord's Prayer. Beautiful rendition of that. Now Jesus lays down some warnings, some cautions about prayer before he gives us the perfect prayer, the perfect pattern of prayer. And it reminds us that not all prayer is pleasing to God. Did you know that? Let me say that again. Not all prayer is pleasing to God. In fact, we would even go so far as to say not all prayer is really true prayer. There's a lot that goes on in the name of prayer that is not prayer. And so he tells us today and those listening back in that day some warnings here. And the first warning is this. Don't pray like the hypocrites. Don't pray like the hypocrites. Now, you're in Matthew chapter 6 again. Look at verse 5. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corner of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Now, we think about hypocrites today. We understand what that means, and people use that term a lot. And some people even tell you, well, I don't come to church because it's full of hypocrites. But in that day, a hypocrite was someone who was a play actor. And they were playing a part. And they would use a mask. And they would hold that mask up to play that part. In fact, they might even have more than one mask. And they'd be playing a part. It was not really who they were. They were playing a part. They were not really who they appeared to be. And so these hypocrites, Jesus talks about them. He says, don't be like them. Here's what the hypocrites like to do. They wanted to be at the right place at the right time at the appointed times of prayer. And so back in that day, the appointed times of prayer would come and they'd make sure they were in the right place at the right time to have as many people as they could to see them pray. So they would go to the synagogue at the time of prayer and there they'd be praying. Or they'd go to the street corner at the time of prayer, the right time, it's time for prayer, and there they are. Why? So as many people as possible could see them. And so when he says, don't be like the hypocrites, what he's saying is this. Think about the motive behind your praying. Why are you really praying in the first place? Are we praying to be seen by others? Are we praying to be heard by others? Or are we praying because we're talking to God and we want to be heard by God? And by the way, that's an issue throughout the entire Christian life. It's good to ask that question. Why do we do what we do in the first place? In fact, you're there in Matthew chapter 6. Back up to verse 1. It's quite interesting. Verse 1 says, Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men, your giving to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. In other words, when you're giving your offerings, says, be careful. You're not just saying, Hey, I'm, here's my $100 bill. Putting it in. Oh, I dropped that $100 bill. Better pick that $100 bill up and put it back in the offering plate. Could you hand me that $100 bill right there? Be careful about that. Then drop down to verse 5. And when you pray, 
You shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and corners to be seen by men. And then drop down to verse 16. We don't really like this one. Moreover, when you fast, you go without food for purpose, spiritual reasons to seek the Lord. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites. There they are again. The hypocrites. Why? With a sad countenance. For they disfigure their faces. They may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. So back in that day, these hypocrites, they made sure people saw them giving, made sure people saw that they were praying, and made sure people knew they were fasting. And they, they were a sad-looking lot. They'd be there, oh, what's wrong? Oh, you must be fasting. Well, I am quite holy. He says, don't be like the hypocrites. Examine your motives. Why are you here this morning? If you gave this morning, why did you give? If you bowed in prayer, why did you pray? If you sang, why did you sing? Why do we do what we do? We need to examine our motives. Are we doing it to be seen of men? Or are we doing it to be seen by God? You see, these people, they were seeking a reward and they got it. But the sad thing is they sought the wrong reward. Their reward was simply being seen by men and looked at in the eyes of men. And notice the emphasis on reward here. Look back at verse 5 at the very end. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Then look at verse 6. But you, so now he's talking to his disciples, talking to us who know him, but you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. Now watch this. And your Father who sees in secret will do what? reward you openly. Now let me just caution you. This does not forbid public praying. Because some people say, well, this says right here, you should not pray in public because you're supposed to go in there and shut the door. That's not what it says. It's not condemning public praying. How do we know that? Well, because it's public praying is modeled the Scripture. Jesus prayed in public. They prayed in the churches. First uh, Timothy 2.8 says this, I desire therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Jesus prayed public prayers. We should pray too. But our motives should always be right. Because one of the dangers in public praying is what? That we begin to talk to the people rather than talk to God. We get all worried about things. And we'll talk a little bit more of that in a moment. But it doesn't condemn public praying, but he does emphasize private prayer. And in verse 6 he says, listen, I want you to get along with God. Shut the door. It doesn't have to be a literal closet. If you're in a closet, that's fine. But somewhere where you have privacy, you can get along with the Lord. And he says, if you'll pray to the Father in secret, he sees you in the secret place and he will reward you openly. We'll talk about more of that in a moment as well. So don't pray like the hypocrites. But also, there's another warning. Don't pray like the heathen. Don't pray like the heathen. Look at verses 7 and 8. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. For your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. Now, let me give you another caution. This is not condemning persevering in prayer. The Bible teaches where to persevere in prayer. It's not saying you can't pray about the same thing more than once. The key word there is vain repetition, like the pagans would do. The idea is babbling on, 
The idea is empty words. The idea of saying things that really don't mean anything. And even the Lord's Prayer can become that if we're not careful. I'm afraid at times the doxology has become that here. I've mentioned it to our Wednesday night group. Because we've sung it a thousand, ten thousand, depends how long you've been here. And it's so easy to praise God from Him. You know, we don't need to think about it. We're just trying to get through it because we're going to sit back down. It could become a vain repetition. And the Lord's Prayer could be the same way. Our Father, heart in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I can't even come. Way, but, and it means nothing. He says that's what the pagans do. That's what the heathen do. Don't do that. This is quite convicting. Why? Because how many times are we guilty of using empty, meaningless words? What often happens if you're brought up in church or you're around church for a while and you begin to listen to people pray and you pick up on their prayer language? And we all have one. I have one too. And most of the times you don't even know what your prayer language is. What I mean by that is there's certain phrases you use. There's certain things that you say. And we're there and we're listening and we hear something we like. Well, so-and-so said that. I think I'm going to add that to my prayer. I'm going to use that phrase too. The sad thing is sometimes we don't even know what it means, but it sounds good. And so we add it to our prayer. And he says, I don't want you to use empty, meaningless words. Uh, I shared, uh, I think it was in the email, Warren Wiersbe said, for some people, praying, it's like putting a needle on one of those old records and just starting it up and letting it play. That's not the way we're to pray. Furthermore, it's not the quantity of words that he's most concerned about. He said here, they think they'll be heard for their many words. That's what it says. And again, that doesn't condemn long prayers. The Lord Jesus prayed some long prayers. He prayed all night. There are times we should pray long prayers. But how many times would we be better off to shorten our prayers and be real careful with our words and really weigh them out and make sure that we are saying what we ought to be saying and we mean it with the right heart and we're saying right things. Furthermore, he reminds us here that we're not informing God of anything when we pray. He says, your father knows what you have need of before you pray. We need to remember, we come to the Lord, he already knows all things. We're not coming and say, well, by the way, Lord, I don't know if you knew or not, that, that's a wrong prayer. The Lord knows all things. He reminds us of that. Before you ask him. So some would say, well, then why do we ask him anyway? Why even pray if he already knows everything? And he already knows every situation. Why even pray? Well, the easiest answer is because he told us to. But let's get a little bit deeper because that may not satisfy. We have to realize there's so much we get in just the practice of prayer. So much we get in just the practice of prayer. I like what the English Archbishop William Temple once said. He said, people tell me that answers to prayer are merely coincidences. Here's what he said. I can only reply that when I pray, coincidences happen. And when I stop praying, they stop happening. You ever found that to be true? I love what one writer said. He said, essentially, we pray for the same reasons that a child talks to their parent. To have fellowship. To express love. To express gratitude. And similar other reasons. I mean, you already know, parents, what your children need. You know they need... Uh, food and clothing and shelter and all, but you, you want them to talk to you. 
You want to have fellowship with them. And it's not so much the quantity of words, he says, it's what they're truly praying from their heart. Are their motives right? When it all is said and done here, it really boils down to this whole idea of reward. Reward. First of all, which reward do we want? Do we want the reward of people seeing us and being thought of by people as being someone really holy and really prayerful and really super spiritual? Or do we want the reward of knowing that we are being heard by our Heavenly Father? Whether anybody else knows we're praying or not, God is listening. Which reward do we want? And furthermore, and this might even be a question in your mind, what is the reward? Because he talks about rewards here. Reward, reward, reward. And so, I mean, we pray at times and the answer is no. So how can that be a reward? That doesn't seem very reward-like. No. Well, we know that God is perfect. And if God is perfect, and he is, then any answer he gives us is perfect. And if he were to say no to one of our prayers, he has a perfect reason for saying no. And we can trust in his perfect knowledge and wisdom and love. But I think there's even something else we need to talk about for a moment, and that's this. I think we're looking at the whole idea wrong anyway. Because when it comes to our prayer lives, a lot of times we're looking for answers. And what we ought to be looking for is time with the Father. In other words, it's about relationship. The Father is the reward. So many, so many times we just get focused on the answer. You know, I'm praying, I'm just praying that that girl will say yes when I ask her out on a date. Or, or I'm praying that boy will not ask me out on a date. <laughs> Or I'm praying I get a good grade. I'm praying that house loan comes through. Or I'm praying that that so-and-so will get well. Or I'm praying whatever the request might be. And we get so focused on the answer. And all we're looking for is the answer. In fact, I was reading this morning, early this morning in my devotions. And Paul Tripp was talking about the fact that we bring our wish list prayers to him. And our wish list praying is all about what we're really saying as we bring our list to the Lord is this. God, I know how my life should be and how it should work out. And I want you just to use your power to bring about what I want. That's really what it boils down to. When reality, you want to come and say, Father, I don't know what is best here. Give me wisdom. I surrender myself to you. And so when you think about the answers, if you just think about the answers, you miss out so much. Don't think about the answers. Think about the relationship. See, you get the relationship right, the answers are going to come. And they're going to be so sweet and so wonderful. Ken Hemphill helped me with this so much. He said, I frequently heard people despair that their prayer wasn't answered. However, having our request granted is not the primary goal of prayer. One of the primary purposes of prayer is to spend time and conversation with our Father. And so he says, when you make that the goal, we can pray at all times guaranteed guaranteed that it will be rewarded. Will it be the answer we want? Maybe. But will it be rewarded by bringing us into the Father's presence? Absolutely. He said, prayer is not about answers. Prayer is about reward. Communicating with Him is reward enough. 
And if you begin to look at your prayer life like that, instead of just coming saying, well, here's my wish list. Here's what I want. I'm going to beg God till I get what I want. If you say, no, that's not my goal in prayer. My goal is to spend time with the Father. It'll revolutionize your prayer life. I'm here to spend time with the Father. And then as you spend time with the Father, can you make requests? Absolutely. Do your kids ask you anything when they spend time with you? Do they ask for anything? Sure. Absolutely. But it's not just about that. What would you think if your kids only came to you, only spoke to you when they wanted something? Don't say anything, parents, by the way. Don't look around. But they never did anything else but that. You say, something's wrong. I've gone wrong somewhere. Well, how about us as God's kids? Let's move away from just about an answer and start looking at the relationship. One pastor talked about, and we'll close with some questions here. It was very convicting when he said it. He said, a lot of us, we treat prayer like something we've got to get out of the way. For instance, we have a meeting and the meetings at church. And can I just tell you, you'll laugh at me, but you know, my world is church. So I go to some secular things and they'll start a meeting and my mind says, they didn't pray. I forget. They're not going to pray. We're conditioned to pray. But the problem is, the way we treat it many times is this way. Prayer is something we've got to get out of the way so we can get on to what's really important. Or, you might relate to this one even more. We're about to eat. And the food smells good. And it looks good. And we're hungry, but we know we're Christians. And we've got to pray. So what do we do? We treat prayer like something we've got to get out of the way so we can get to what's really important. We've got to change that mindset. What's really important is the prayer. Not so much the meeting, although we get the prayer right, the meeting will go better. Not so much the food, we get the prayer right, the food will be so much better. See, prayer is not something to get out of the way. I want to give you some questions in closing today, and we're going to pray and sing. Based on what we've looked at today, let me give you these questions. You can write them down, answer them in your own heart. First of all, let's talk about this. What is your motive in prayer? Why are you praying in the first place? What is your motive? Ask yourself that. You praying over that meal because you'll feel guilty if you don't? Or your grandma told you you'd get sick if you didn't pray before you ate? Now, what, what is the motive behind it? Why are you really praying? What is your motive in prayer? Secondly, are your words sincere or just empty and meaningless? Just phrases, just words that you've heard other people use and you just rattle them off, just, just empty, meaningless. Are your words sincere? Are they thought out? Are they weighed out? You realize that you're coming before a holy God. Third, are you more concerned with getting answers than you are in spending time with the Father? Are you more concerned with answers than you are in spending time with the Father? And you can use this from now on, these questions, to evaluate your prayer life. Two more and we're done. Is prayer something you've got to get out of the way or is it your delight and joy? It's never going to be a delight and joy until you get the emphasis on the relationship. Is prayer something you've got to get out of your way, out of the way, or is it your delight and joy? And finally, if I can just summarize the whole message and what Jesus said in these few verses we've looked at today. And this really, really will just bring it down 
and bring it home. Are you praying like a hypocrite, a heathen, or a child of the living God? Are you praying like a hypocrite, a heathen, or a child of the living God? This week, think about your prayer life. As you're praying, evaluate your prayer life with those questions. Think about why you're praying, what you're looking for in prayer. And as you begin using the Lord's Prayer, think about your relationship with the Father and talk to Him about it. And then as we go through these weeks together, we'll begin taking the prayer apart piece by piece and talking more about our wonderful Father and our relationship with Him. Let's pray together. Father, help us. Help us to be honest as we look at our prayer lives. Help us to allow the Holy Spirit to put His finger on anything that needs corrected or adjusted. Help us to grow in our relationship when it comes to praying. Bless this message to our hearts and bless this series. Give me wisdom. And Lord, give us all ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. May we all grow deeper in our prayer time and our relationship with you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I couldn't think of a better song than 429, Sweet Hour of Prayer. We'll just sing the first and the last. And then we're going to pray and transition into our business session today. 429, we'll stand together first and last. Sweet hour of prayer, let's stand and sing. Oh, 